thank you, my friend. This is a kind gesture of this size pulpit. <laughs> People tease me all the time, and it's like, we can't see you. It's like, well, then stand up. It's an honor, and it's a privilege and a joy to be here tonight at really our home church. Um, as I travel across the country, and my family's here, um, my wife, my mother-in-law, my sister-in-law, some of you know John Riley, the little Asian zing. Um, I can say that because he's my brother-in-law. Um, it's just, it's just great that we're in the house of God with Pastor Dwayne and Jeannie, and I have to say from this pulpit, thank you. Thank you. You preach the word of God with no compromise. No compromise. Church, that's a good time to clap that one. I, oh, man. I, I am so thankful for the word of God that's preached without compromise. I, I've been saved since I was eight years old, and I've served pastors um, the last 31 years. I've served four churches that are not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And isn't that refreshing in our culture? I mean, they're so hung up on everything else that, that nobody knows when to... The, the Italian word is stutazit. I mean, shut your mouth. And... Uh, Nobody knows it anymore, and there's like all these Pandora's boxes that are open in our, come on now, in our culture, and, and you know what I learned a long time ago, it doesn't matter what I, what I think and my opinion is, it's all about who I know. It's not matter what I say anymore, because it's going to be, somebody's going to take what I say, and they're going to, uh, they're going to contort it, and they're going to stretch it, and it's going to be exactly what I said, but it's who I know, and I know the master, his name's Jesus. And at the end of the day, when I put my head down on my pillow after traveling and going wherever God has, I can say clearly, I'm glad that I know that I know. Come on, it's a sunny night. You can leave a little bit of crazy. I know that I know my Jesus, man, and you cannot take him from me. And I'm not about to give him up. I'm about to give him out, but I'm not going to give him up. We are saints of the master named Jesus, and so we are to be doers of the word of God. We must be doers of the word of God. And I'm so glad, Pastor Merle, that you said that because I think somebody in here, you are at a crossroad of your life where it's like, could I do this here, or do I wait upon the Lord so that I might renew? Come on, somebody. We're so quick and a micro, I mean, we come on, we go to a restaurant, it's like, come on, come on, let's go. You just, you just ordered. Well, where is it? Well, they gotta make it. How many know what I'm talking about? Now, even McDonald's today is not so easy. How many know what I'm talking about? You get a French fry, I don't know about you. I know I've eaten too many, but we get the French fries. I want the fresh, hot, put more sugar on it, don't matter. I don't want cold fries. I mean, you know what I'm talking about? You drive off and you're going to go back. I'm going back. I'm going back. I want fresh fries. I want you to look with me in the scripture here. I want you to turn with me to James chapter 1. There is a song sung that says, we dedicate ourselves to you. That key word here is that we dedicate to we dedicate to, dedicated to Christ, to win the lost, to rescue the lost, to rescue the neighbor. The Bible says in James chapter one, verse 22, 
but don't just listen to the word, God's word. You must do what it says otherwise. I love this. In fact, if we argue about what the word of God's saying, there are words here that are triggers. They're like little trigger words that will cause us to be rewarded or punished. They really will. And it says otherwise. You're only fooling yourself. For each of you listen to the word and don't obey. It's like glancing at your face in a mirror. You see yourself, you walk away, and you forget what you look like. Oh my goodness, if there's ever a time to preach this word, it's today. It's today, being doers of the word. So what does it mean to be a doer of the word? James states here in verse 22, don't be only a hearer of the word, but a doer of the word also. What he's saying here is be a doer of the gospel of Jesus Christ. So let's rephrase the verse with the understanding of proper understanding. James 1, be doers of the gospel, not only hearers deceiving yourself. I, I do have a chance, and, and Pastor Jake, thank you for the great introduction. And some people are like, who is that? It doesn't matter. I get a chance to travel. I served eight wonderful years at Grand Rapids First Assembly. And in 09, God called me to start traveling evangelistically. It started out with all youth and it was all youth focused. And now it's like God's spreading me out. I'm doing uh, revivals and camps and, and, and all kinds of retreats and leadership seminar. I, 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 um, I mentor six youth pastors a week. God's just spreading us all over. And I'm like, I'm only five foot six. Like, I don't, I don't know how much more I can give out, but I go to schools now, and God's opened all these schools up, and I don't go in and preach. I can't preach, but what I, it's contagious. Let me say this to you. If you're not contagious, you're not inspiring, and you don't see the value of others, I want to ask you, do you know Jesus? I preach at the men's ministry, reload. Be contagious, be inspiring, and show value of God's people. Not our people, God's people, because my people don't live around here. Oh, wait a minute, I'm full-blooded Italian. We don't have too many of my people living around here. But we're God's people, thank you, Jesus. And under God's uh, shelter and God's umbrella, we are to preach and be doers of the word. So I go into these schools and I'm doing on bullying, self-addiction, and self-mutilation and addictions. And as I'm traveling and talking about all this stuff, I, I, I have to guard my words. I can't use salvation. I can't use God. I can't use spirit. But I use the word rescue. And it's amazing how I watch after I'm done speaking, I go out into the foyer and so many kids, I mean, we're talking, I just got done in Pennsylvania, the entire last week of March going into April, I spoke to 4,700 students in five days. And then I came to a rally, a rally on a Friday night and a rally, I know I'm talking rally and I talk funny because I'm from Pittsburgh, but R-A-L-L-Y. And I go to these rallies and I preach on Friday night and Saturday night and hundreds of kids get saved because we can't talk about it to school, but we invite them. But it's amazing how many times I walk out in the hallways and as I'm in the hallways, I have kids say to me, I know you couldn't preach. I know you're not allowed to talk about Jesus, but can you pray for me because I know you're a preacher. And I've got an opportunity, the principal's like this. Yeah, go ahead, they ask. <laughs> but I went to this one school called Ringgold. Anybody ever hear of Joe Montana? Joe Montana lived around this area. And, and his whole school is Joe Montana football field. And he's like this in the end zone with, with all the San Francisco stuff on and all that. But I go into the school and I get done speaking. And I'm like, hey, you know what? Have a great day. We'll see you hopefully this weekend. The principal gets up and he says this, okay. 
Let us not be listeners of the word, but let us be doers of the word. I'm walking out, I'm like, what, 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 what? Go back to his office, find out that he's a deacon in a church in South Hills, Pittsburgh area, and says to me, brother, let me tell you something. You preached without preaching. I want to invite you to my church to do a men's ministry, to do youth. I'm telling you what, you're so full of spirit. I'm like, dude, me, you got away with preaching. But we're listeners. We're listeners of the word, but we're not all doers of the word of God. Doers of the word of God. There's a young girl who was in one of my groups that I was with, and I did this study in October on generational curses. And I got done it after five weeks of generational curses, and I was shifting into the next month called generational blessings. And this young girl comes up front, gets saved on a Wednesday night, and, and after she got saved, she's like, what do I do? What do I do? Let me tell you my story. She starts telling me the story, how she's raised um, alcoholic parents, and she gets up early at six in the morning, she gets breakfast, and she gets her siblings up, and they get all cleaned up, and she serves her parents breakfast, puts them on a couch, gives them a couple cans of beers, and she goes to school. She's a junior in high school. She said, I've been doing this all my life. My parents aren't my parents, I'm my parents. I'm raising my brothers and sisters. My parents have no clue. I get home at 3.30, I get dinner ready, I put them back on the couch, feed them dinner, put a couple more beers, I go to work until 10.30 at night. That's my life for the last how many years that she's been working. She said, I don't know what to do. I said, I'll tell you what you do. And, and then she said this. She said, when I go to bed at night, I'm laying in my bed and I have these demonic spirits that are in my bedpost and they gurgle and growl and they start screeching. And I go under my covers and I think, oh God, where are you? But I know now where God is. He's here. He's inside of me. So what do I do? I said, I'll tell you what you do, girl. Straight up. Start casting those demons out in the name of Jesus. But I'll tell you what else. Take some oil and anoint the doorposts, anoint the bedposts, and you claim it over Jesus, and get this scripture, Zephaniah chapter three, verse 17. Amen. The Bible says, and the Lord will sing over us. You wait, because I'm gonna tell you what, mercy of God is good, he's great, but do this girl, if you do this, you will see God. And she's like, I got it, I got it, I can do this. This might sound fun. Oh, wrong one. <laughs> so she goes home, and she does her thing. I don't see her for two weeks. Two weeks later, she comes skipping down the middle aisle. I'm like, hey, hey, where you been? She said, I'll tell you what, I've been hired in a kite. I'm like, oh no. What do you mean? She goes, I'm telling you what, Pastor Randy, they call me Poppy sometimes. I don't know if I like that. But she says, Poppy, let me tell you something. She said, I went home that night. I'm sorry I haven't been back, but I've been working. I couldn't get out of work. I couldn't wait to get here to tell you. She said, I went home that night. I couldn't find a little bit of oil but I found a gallon of it under the, under the kitchen sink. Big old gallon. I said, you found a what? She said, a gallon. I said, oh, no, you didn't. She said, yeah, I did. She started spitting oil everywhere. She said, I couldn't help it. She said, I started flinging oil. It's on the walls. It's on the couch. My parents are like getting hit with it. My parents, my sisters are like, what is that? She said, it's all over the kitchen. It's all over the counter. It's all over the drapes. I'm like, mm. I said, what are you doing, girl? She lives in a trailer. She said, I anointed my bedpost, but I'm going to tell you something. Not only is every demon gone, but I hear two weeks now, God singing over me. 
I hear his words. I hear his words. I hear him speaking over me. He's giving me power. He's giving me authority. I used to wake up so tired. I wake up now, Pastor Randy. I think I'm called of God to go and start delivering people. Oh, no, wait, man. Y'all standing there looking at me like I'm crazy. This girl's crazy. Wait, I want to finish the story. I'll finish in a couple of minutes. I'm in Detroit area. A few years back, I was doing Youth Alive. Youth Alive is about getting uh, Christian clubs on a secular campus, building a club in the morning of prayer. Not Bible study, because they're not into all that doctrine stuff. They're into just praying. So I would get all the youth pastors in the local area. I was in Detroit area. I'd get all the youth pastors together. We would go to the school and we would talk about how we can effectively be on your campus. And they said, if you're all together, we're all together. All the denominations, yes, you can do this. Started planting clubs, one club after another. I go into a place called Crestwood. Crestwood is bad. It's crazy. And this little tiny girl, I was speaking at a camp, and she walks up to me and she says, hey, um, I, I think I want to do your job someday. And I'm like, youth alive director? I said, what grade are you? And she says, sophomore. I just finished my ninth grade year, but I want you to pray for me. I said, no problem. What do you got? She bought this little four foot nothing little minion. I like people looking up to me. It's awesome. I'm tired of all this stuff. You know what I'm saying? I hurt my back. So I'm looking at her. She said, can you pray for me? I said, what you got? She says, I want to start a prayer club on a secular campus, but I'm Christian schooled, and I want to go to the secular school called Crestwood High School. I was like, mm, I ain't praying that. I ain't that spiritual. I'm not praying that. She said, well, you got to pray it because my parents, I don't know if they're going to I said, no, 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 girl, don't put that on me. You go back and ask your parents. Don't tell them I said to do anything. How many know what I'm talking about? Parents, you should have been like, mm-hmm, don't tell my kid nothing. All of a sudden, she comes back. She called her parents. I was at camp. She called her parents. And her parents says, pray over me. They're going to release me. I said, you called that quick? She said, I'm telling you, I'm busy. Sophomore in high school. This little girl calls, goes on to the campus. She wants to start a prayer club. I said, okay, I'll come. I'll help you. She not only starts a prayer club, my friends. Let me tell you something. This secular school, if you know anything about Detroit area, Crestwood, 67% Muslim. Her school, 67% Muslim. They come in, they're all wrapped, they're, everything's happening. You know what I'm saying? They, they got their little kneel thing. Nah, they're doing the whole thing. Because they're allowed to do that, but we're not allowed to pray. I'm just saying. I don't cause no trouble. This might be aired. I'm just saying. Somebody come and hit me. All of a sudden, she starts this prayer club. She calls me about a month and a half later and says, can you come in and speak at our prayer club? I said, I would love to. I go there, and there's 60 kids. I'm like, where did all these kids come from? She said, listen, I've been getting busy. I said, Hello? They've never had a club on this campus. I said, girl, are you serious? She said, yeah. I said, oh my goodness, look. And she said, one Muslim, two Muslims, like 20 Muslims in this prayer club in the morning. I'm like, oh my gosh, what's happening? She said, well, I think they call it revival. She's a sophomore in high school. I said, yeah, okay. I think you're crazy, but that's good, revival. She said, no, I, I'm not just running a club of 60, but 50 of them are saved. Like, I push limit. I ask him straight up. I don't talk about Jesus. I want you to get saved right now. So you're going to bow your knee with me and we're going to kneel in a hallway and you're going to claim Jesus Christ. I said, girl, you crazy. Make a long story short, four years later, she graduates high school. 
She's on her way. Well, a couple years later. I mean, she was a sophomore, so a couple years later, she graduates. I went to her graduation. She called me. She says, can you come to my graduation? I said, I'd love to come to your graduation. I go, and they announce her name. And when they announce her name, she stands up, starts walking across. The entire class of that school gets up, and they begin to applaud her, entire senior class. We love you, Daniel. Daniel, we love you because you told us about Jesus. We love you because, and they start unwrapping. Oh, thank you for the blood of Jesus. And you can hear kids speaking in other tongues in the middle of a graduation service because of a little girl named Danielle that's all sold out for the kingdom of God. See, I'm going to look at young people. I'm looking at young people. I'm looking at the new generation, all this millennial culture. I'm looking at adults, grandparents. Let me say this to you. You don't understand, understand, unless you start to do to do. You don't need to drink a do to do. Just do. Just be you and be doers of the word. See, we're all about, oh, I'm so smart. I have so much knowledge of Christ. Until you find a bum, somebody on Skid Road that says, it don't matter what education you have, tell me what I can do to rescue me. They humble you. That's why Jesus was so good, because Jesus was all about humbling. He was humble, and he humbled others because of his presence. And then he would say, shh, don't say anything. And they would run screaming, it was Jesus. And he's like, oh, here we go. I can just see Jesus. Here we go again. I'm making more mad now. But I think we need to start teaching. So there's a great parable here in Luke chapter 10. You know the story about the Good Samaritan. Let me just paraphrase in the couple minutes that I have left here. This is crazy because there's three characters that are here. One's spiritual, they're all spiritual, but one's a priest, one's a Levite worship leader, and another one is a Samaritan foreigner. You know the story how it goes. You know that they're walking down and there's a man that was beat up and robbed and he's laying there. The priest comes and he sees the man for where he's at, Luke chapter 10, and because of what his seat is, which he understands the law, if he touches anything unclean, he's going to be rendered unclean for seven days. He'd have to spiritual cleanse, go through the things. He couldn't minister, he couldn't do anything else until the cleansing came, and then he was able to minister the game. So he takes no risk and steps over and continues to go. Preacher, priest, those that are maybe too busy, Christian, those that don't think they have the time because of our busy schedule. People lost and dying, but it's okay because I got to get to my job. How many know what I'm talking about? Please, I know what I'm saying. Then here comes the Levite, and I'll tell you what, I don't know how in the world you get the most excellent worship people in the entire nation. They end up migrating. They're here. And then I know you have to send them out and they start planting other things. But I'll tell you what, this worship, you got people, the worship is off the charts, the best worship in any church in the country. I'm just telling you, you need to know that. And I will say that from this poll, but I don't get any brownie points for this because I'm not on staff. <laughs> but I just love what God's doing. But the Levite comes to the place and because of his seat, of probably a popularity or an opportunity to, to, to play and do worship in the inner city, he doesn't make a move. He steps aside and takes no risk because of his busyness. Now listen, I didn't write this word. This is what the word says. This is this passage here in Luke chapter 10. Then one comes to the Samaritan. Of course, he rescues, he bandages up, he goes into debt. He takes him to an inn, which he probably knew the innkeeper because he says, when I return, I'll pay you. It does sound a lot like Christ. Because when I come back, I'll pay you. 
so he takes no risk. So I'm about to preach this message on a weekend, Saturday night. My wife comes with me. My wife is a phenomenal nurse practitioner now, just finished her master's. She works at Spectrum in the PICU. Oh, man, she's my hero. 31 years this November, no looking back, baby. I'm just telling you. Besides, she hurt me if I do anything else. Full-blooded Italian from Long Island, New York. We're heading with our dogs. We have our two dogs all strapped in little harnesses in the back seat. Clip, clip. They're in the little seat belts. Don't look at me like I'm crazy. I just love my dogs, okay? I don't have children. I have dogs. Some of you have Okay, never mind. So anyways, they're in the back seat. We're driving up 131. We're going to a place called White Pigeon or White Cloud or White something. Okay, up north. So I said to my wife, it's on Saturday. Let's go. Clear day. Blue skies. Everything's running. I'm about to preach this message. I'm like, man, I'm going to give it to him. Indian River is where I was going. Indian River. I'm about to preach it, man. I got this message in me. Doers of the word. I'm preaching to my wife in the car. All of a sudden, I look up. I'm like, mm. and this car, and a midway about from here to the doors, starts sliding and goes whew, over the embankment, down in the medium, up 131 North. I'm like, what was that? And my wife's like, oh my gosh. We get up there, and she's like, pull over, pull over. And I'm like, babe, but if we pull over, we're going to be late. We can't pull over. I got this message burning, baby. I's got to get there. So she's like, get over. I not only just pulled over, boom, I pulled over. That woman is out of the car, crossed the road like a cannon, just shot her out. Boom, bam. She's like taking a dive over. I'm like, ah, where's she going? What is she doing? I got my dogs in the back. My car's running. The air conditioning's good. It's hot outside. My dogs are like, you better get out. I'm like, man, stop. I got Rocky and Dino with me. Rocky and Dino. Yo, you better get out. I ain't getting out. You better get out. Mom went out. If mom went out, you have to get out because if mom went out, she's going to save somebody and you're preaching the word, get out. So I was like, okay. So I put the windows down so they don't fry in the car because how many know that you report people that have their kids? <laughs> so I get out the car and I'm looking. Now I'm on 131. There's nobody really. Now here comes, Woo! Here comes the ambulance. Here come the popo. They're all coming. And all of a sudden, I'm looking. There's no other really traffic, but I'm still looking. My dogs are like, get across the road. I'm like, I don't know. I don't know what to do. And all of a sudden, get out. I'm like, okay. So I cross the 131, and I look over the bank. I'm like, ha! I look down there, and the car is flipped upside down, and it's still running. Paramedics come. They're flying down the hill. They got all kinds of stuff. I'm like, where's my wife? All I saw was two feet hanging out the window. I'm like, how did she get wrapped up in a car? Here's what it was. There's elderly people in their 70s and 80s that are in this car, and they're buckled in, and the car's still going, and smoke's starting to come up. And here's my wife unbuckling. She's pulling these little saints out of the car one by one. She's taking care of them. She's got to get them up because nobody knows. Another guy comes up, paramedic. I can hear him talking. She's like, okay, you take this side. I know he's trying to shut the car off. They're pulling people out. She's rescuing people. She's doing this. People are flying over. All of a sudden, I hear one lady. But I'm looking. Now I'm just watching. Lady goes, we got to pray. We got to pray. And she goes flying over the hill. I'm like, I'm praying with that charismatic. She's nuts. Another one, start praying. Everybody start praying. It's like a kumbaya circle, 17 miles around these people. I'm like, you got to be kidding me. I'm the preacher. I'm about to preach on this message. I'm, the, I'm overlooking. I'm like, y'all get busy. And then the Lord just like slapped me. Boom. I was like, what? What? Get over the hill. I was like, I got to get over the hill. 
So I go down over the hill, and long story short, we just, my wife, rescued these five gorgeous little old people. We get back in the car, get going, strap in. I don't say anything for like at least a minute. No, it's more like about 40 minutes. I promise you, I'm just like this. She's got dirt all over her. Her hair is all like... She's pulling stuff out of her. I said, you know, honey, what are ticks down? I said, shut up. I start weeping because this woman, it doesn't even take a question. It doesn't take a thought. She's a rescuer. Not only is she a nurse, but she's God's daughter. The spiritual sect here says, which one? Jesus says, which one do you think the neighbor is? The neighbor was my wife. I got to preach that night. I didn't even preach. I just wept. I just said, listen, church, we're all about saying we're doing, but we're not doing because we don't want to get dirty. I look over at my wife. I go to preach, and she's got white pants on. They're green with stains. There's, she's got stains up here. There's blood on her hands. She's trying to, I'm telling you, I'm sitting there. I'm trying to preach with this woman right there, and I'm thinking, God, you've called me to be a doer, and I couldn't even do it. And I'm a preacher. People all around us in restaurants, we're not paying attention to listen. We're not listening to the rescue. The other day I'm in a restaurant and a young lady comes in. She said, must be in cosmetology. They're beautiful, two young girls. They're still in college and they're talking and one starts weeping. She starts crying about home. Nobody wants to listen. Nobody cares and nobody pays attention. Her life feels like it's, it's going downhill and there's no rescue in her life. And God says, get up and just breathe Jesus. Don't preach a word, just say Jesus. And I'm like, what good is that gonna do? Just say Jesus. Now wait, don't judge me. I'm preaching the word tonight. I'm vulnerable, but I'm telling you that even though we're preachers and teachers and we're qualified, we got educations and we got all kinds of work, we miss where the Bible says, be doers of the word. Because it's not about you. It's not about me, it's about kingdom. <laughs> when we get the doctrine in us, we'll understand that I can lay hands on the sick and they can recover. Oh, that's good stuff. I start to think about this and I preach and I say, oh God, if I could be like Lori, which is just like Jesus. Jesus told them, go and do likewise. The doers look intently into the word. The doer is liberated by the word. The doer is a lifelong learner of the word. The doer does not forget what he or she has learned. Band, would you come? The example of the priest and the Levite and the Good Samaritan, they were religious leaders, people who knew the word, but they weren't comfortable with showing the mercy of the injured traveler. Samaritans were despised by the Israelites. They were unclean, unpure. Jewish leaders and religious leaders, the parable seems to recognize or rationalize that nonstop to helping the unbeliever was justified. 
you know, I can't justify leaving people behind anymore because I think it's called manipulation. I uh, will close. There's so much more, but I'll close tonight with this. I, uh, I have the awesome opportunity and privilege to travel to the inner cities across America. As a youth pastor, I did so many missions trips. I, I could spell it backwards and sideways and up and down. I had more t-shirts than Carter has pills. I've done more things in missions than a lot of people. 27 in the organized church, four youth ministries that blow out the walls in God's favor. But now he's called me to the inner cities that are dirty and ugly. Nobody wants to talk to them. You find that there were preachers that were once on fire for God that lost their wives or children due to cancer and they've cursed God and turned their back and they're in the inner city. You see churches trying to open up storefronts and they welcome people in like our, like our, our, our downtown church with Pastor Greg. We build dream centers to help rescue, but there's only so many areas that can do that. So how can we win our cities to Jesus? I travel with these bands and the bands play their music and I preach for 13 minutes and they play their music a couple more times and I preach twice in five hours. But let me tell you what God's doing across America. People are just being froze. I, I've never seen people move so fast and stop so quick when the name Jesus comes up. Our world's looking for a rescue. Our world's looking for a way out. We have it, but we don't always want to tell it. Jesus. I looked at the girl at the restaurant and I said, listen, all I have to say is this. I heard your conversation. I couldn't help but hear you guys are a little loud. But I want to say this to you, sweetheart, in the midst of your storm, all I can tell you is Jesus. He's a rescuer. He's, he's my lifeline. He's, he's everything to me. God bless you. And I walked out. I came in the next year, day with a friend, the next day with a friend. And one of the waitresses came over and says, can I ask you a question yesterday? Did you speak to two young girls? And I said, no, I didn't really speak to them. I heard them. I just mentioned Jesus. She said, I want to say this to you. You have no idea what that did to that girl. Because she broke right after you left and she began to weep. And I had the chance, a waitress, I had the chance to talk to her about Jesus Christ. So Lord, what am I saying? I'm saying whether or not you are, are the one that will reap the harvest or you're the one that does that. Well, God's told us to preach it, plant the seed, water a little bit and let it go because he has people in place. We are to be doers of the word, doers of the word. This young girl about Stephanie with the anointing of oil, this story doesn't end here. This is amazing because not only did she, she um, come to a place where she saved, but she brought her brother and sister to church almost a month later and they got saved. And then all of a sudden, like, I met her parents a month later and they were visiting and they looked like they were drunk out of their minds, but they had church. And after church, they said, this is wonderful. You know what? Maybe we have to start thinking about our life. And all of a sudden, three months later, her parents got saved. So her whole household saved. Because of one girl that took a chance with a gallon of oil. and just Because she heard the word and she did the word. What are we doing? 
What are we doing with a bottle of oil? What are we doing with what we have in our hands? What are we doing to minister to the lost? Danielle, when she graduated high school, listen, she looked back and she waved and they're all like, it's because of you that I'm saved. Because of you that I'm saved. She is now a Youth Alive director in South Dakota. She's doing exactly what God's called her to do because she took a step out of a Christian school, went into a secular school because God told her, not because you think it, but God told her. She became a doer of the word. Jesus says the neighbor is the one that rescues. The neighbor is the one that said, hey, Jesus, here am I. Use me. Let us not be listeners of the word, but let us be doers of the word. For when the time comes and the day's over and the sun sets, and we lay before the Lord, he asks me a question every night. Every night, God asks me a question. Did you do what I've asked? Some nights I say no. I'm being honest. Some nights I'm like, God, I could have did so much more. No, you did a lot. But did you do? Well, I kind of did. And then I do this evaluation. And then I look over at my wife and I hear the question and I answer. Yes. Yes, she did. Father God, tonight in the name of Jesus, I'd like to be more like Stephanie to take a risk to anoint with oil said the whole household would be saved. Her whole household was saved because of your grace, Jesus. God, I want to be more like Danielle. No matter how high or tall or short or wide I am, I want to be more like Danielle. I want to be able to be able to be bold enough to lead people to the kingdom. God, I want to be like this good Samaritan. I want to pay all I have. I want to go into debt because I know who pays my debt. I know who set me free. I want to get out of the car and I want to rescue. I know I have to be careful. I have to go exactly where you tell me to go, but I have to. So my question with every head bowed and every eye closed, my question is tonight, if you're in this place and you're absorbing what God has and you don't know the love of God and you don't know how he can set you free and you don't know that you can walk out of here different, my word to you is listen to the word and tonight become a doer of the word. I'm going to ask you this question. Jesus? Do you have a relationship with the master? Do you know that tonight could change your life? It doesn't matter where you've been. It's Jesus. He's here to rescue you. As my wife did, those elderly people from that car. He's here to pull you out of every trap. Pastor Merle said it. You have a decision to make. You're at a crossroad. Are you going to do what God said? Or are you going to put a band-aid on it? Are you going to work with God and listen to God? So Zephaniah chapter 3, you hear him sing over you at night. You hear him bless you at night. You feel he tucks you in bed at night with his presence. That's knowing Jesus. My question is, do you know Jesus? Do you know Jesus? For if you don't, tonight's your night to become a true disciple and, disciple and follower of Jesus. I'm not asking you to accept Christ. This is not a credit cards moment. This is a moment that says, I need rescued. I'm not following. 
I'm not a disciple. I know that God can cleanse me tonight, change my ways tonight, forgive me of all my sins tonight. And if that's you, all I want you to do right now, if that's you, I want you just to do me a favor. I don't care if there's one. I have to ask this question. I want you to stand up where you're at. Just stand up where you're at and come meet me at this altar. Come on. Come, sweetheart. There you go. Thank you, Jesus. Come on, sweetheart. Oh, baby. Come on now. Oh, heaven's throwing a party for you too. Come on now. Can I have some godly women that know how to pray? Would you come with these women? Is there anybody else at the sound of my voice? I got to come. Come on, brother. Come on. Come on. Come on. Give me a man. Give me a, give me a prayer partner right here. A man. Oh, ladies right here. Thank you, Jesus. Come on, brother. <laughs> Can I have somebody come and pray with this gentleman? Come on. Anybody else? Oh, I want you to stand with me tonight then. We're going to say a prayer of salvation. I'm going to pray a blessing over you, and I'm going to turn this band loose. You know, tonight, ladies and gentlemen, listen, listen, all of you. Jesus tonight says that he is the rescue. Tonight you made the biggest move in your life. Listen, it doesn't say anywhere he's going to pay your taxes. He ain't going to have them like that. And he's not going to pay your bills. You're still going to have them, okay? you got to put gas in the car. I'm just saying. But the realism of this, that tonight my heart will change forever. And now I accept the Savior, the man of God, Salvation, Jesus Christ, Holy Spirit, come into my life. This church will take you on a journey because now you're family. You're familiar. You're not a stranger anymore. <laughs> and so I want to pray this prayer. If everybody would pray this prayer, Lord Jesus, come into my heart. I accept you as my personal Savior. Tonight I declare that you are the master of my life. You've cleansed my sins. You've freed me. And now you're going to fill me with your presence. I give you my life. From this moment on, I trust you in Jesus' name. Amen. Father God, I pray a blessing over this congregation. I specifically pray for those, as Pastor Merle said, those tonight that are struggling with a decision, with a decision. I'm asking you tonight, Lord Jesus, a blessing. Pray anointing over, a blessing over, protection over. God, help us to change our sidewalk this week to be doers of the word, not just mere listeners, but just take a chance, take a chance and get dirty for the kingdom of God. For the day will come, the day will come where we're going to have to say one thing or another. I choose today to say, I am a born again, blood-bought ransom, child of the king, serving God, being a doer of the word. In Jesus' name over us, I pray. Amen and amen.